0: Hey ladies, welcome to Rough Girl Turn Redeemed, a podcast where real, raw and relevant truths on faith, marriage and motherhood are discussed. I'm your host Stephanie Holbrook, just another Rough Girl Turn Redeemed. Let's jump in. All right, Michelle, I'm so glad you're on. Thank you so much for coming on sure i'm excited to be here tell our listeners a little bit about yourself i I want i do want to introduce you real quick okay so this is michelle gardner dyson and one if i die before she does i want her to sing at my funeral because she has the voice of an angel and not only does she have the voice of an angel she looks like an angel she's absolutely gorgeous and her personality matches her looks she is absolutely so incredibly sweet Um, and such a godly woman, and such a godly mama, and she is a mama to two little girls, one of which is a sassy frass. (laughs) (laughs) She is, yep, my three-year-old, Ava. And, yes, so tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Okay,
1: so I'm Michelle Dyson, and wow, that was a sweet introduction. Um, (laughs) I am married to my best friend, Brett Dyson. Um, he owns a woodworking business and I am a first grade teacher. Um, and we have two little girls. Ava is three. She's the sassy one. And then we have a 10 month old Lindley and I don't know. She's, she's kind of giving us a run for our money too. So (laughs) she's a busy girl.
0: She is precious though. Both of them are absolute dolls. They're just so precious. And uh, I'll never get, I will never forget Ava's little Christmas performance. She, (laughs) I mean, she rocked it. She was like, yeah. I mean, she's doing the little shimmy and everything. Yes. um, Her debut. But I wanted to ask you, yes, yes, her (laughs) debut. And she, and she rocked it. She did so good. (laughs) (laughs) Jill, I wanted you to come on because, um, We had been visiting your church that your dad pastors at, and um, at at one point, he was uh, asking people to come up and share their testimony, and I've known you or known of you, uh, but I didn't know your testimony, and um, I just really feel like there are some women out there that need to hear your words of wisdom in dealing with the whole um, domestic abuse and, and all of that good stuff, because it can happen to Christians, you know, Absolutely. and it's happening inside the church. So I'm just going to let you take it off from here. Uh, I may, you know, comment throughout if I feel the Lord's leading me to say something, but the mic is all yours, baby doll, because you have got such a powerful testimony.
1: Yes. Well, um, I was raised in the church and, um, Actually, I was born in New Orleans while my parents were in seminary, so the church and God and all of that was such a vital part of my entire life. I mean, we never missed, you know, church unless we were super sick, you know, Um, and so I grew up in a Christian home, and I had amazing godly parents, such good examples who always had time for us, you know. Like, the kind of things I remember are being at the bus stop, and my dad would have us in the truck while we were waiting for the bus to come get us, and we would be memorizing scripture. You know, that's just, that was the kind of environment that I came from, and so um, as a little girl, you know, divorce and that kind of thing was just, you know, that's not, I didn't know anybody in my family who had been divorced or anything like that, or um, so you know, walking through what I ended up, you know, what I've gone through, it was so foreign to my family, you know. Um, But anyway, so when I was in the third grade, my family moved to Selma, where we live now. And um, my dad took a, he was the pastor to church here. And um, that was kind of a, a hard transition, because, you know, I'd only lived in one place, as a little girl and moved away from my grandparents. And, um, but when we came to Selma, I was plugged into a really good Sunday school class at our church. And I just, if you know anything about my personality, I was a rule follower. I still, I still am. I like, I don't like to get in trouble. And, um, like I was a good kid, but I realized, you know, in the third grade in my Sunday school class that I was lost and that I needed the Lord. And, He had just been working on my heart, and I remember on Easter Sunday, um, giving my life to the Lord, our church at the time had this big Easter production, and um, because I was a preacher's kid and my parents were in the choir and all that, like I was at all the rehearsals, and um, I took piano um, from like when I turned five until I graduated high school, so I was Always helping with like the music, and I turned pages for our pianist, you know. And so I was just, I was always at the practices, and I just remember the whole, all the scenes playing out of the Easter story, and um, it just made it so real in my heart, you know. And so I knew I needed to give my life to the Lord, and so I did. And, you know, at that point in my life, there wasn't just this huge radical change or anything, but I just knew I wanted to honor Christ with my life, and, um, he was so good to put so many godly people in my life, um, from that point on, you know, to, to help me grow. And, um, as a high school student, um, I had just the most precious youth pastor and his wife and, you know, some, even some college interns that really poured into me and, um, helped us grow. They showed what a Christian life is looked like and how to walk out our faith. And um, so I'm so thankful for that. But um, then I went to college and um, I started off at Auburn. I really like the football games, but just the whole <laughs> the environment was so overwhelming for me, I guess, coming from a small town, like, I don't know, I it just wasn't the right fit. And so I prayed about it. And um, I had actually gone to visit a friend at the University of Mobile, and um, just fell in love with the school, and I ended up transferring there my second year, and it was really just the perfect fit, and the Lord grew me so much there, and I had opportunities um, for different like missions, projects, and got to plug into Christian leadership, and um went on a mission trip to Norway and just had so many different opportunities there that really, um, I just, it was wonderful. It's the great experience. And I'm like the biggest cheerleader for (laughs) sending people to that school because it was such a (laughs) impact in my life. And I think after I left there, my brother went, my sister went, there were like four kids in our youth group that ended up going. And so,
0: (laughs) I don't know. I just well, you know, girl, they, they should have gave you some, some uh, recruitment money or something, <laughs>
1: <laughs> right? I just
0: talked about it all the time, and
1: so I don't know. It just made such an impact, and I had such wonderful teachers there and people that just genuinely cared about us, and um, so yeah, that was a special place, but you know, my dating life because I know that's kind of where um, I want to get to. I, I was really shy in high school. And so I did not date much at all. And I mean, I had a lot of friends, but I just, I tried to be so careful with that area of my life because I just, I guess I was so set on not wasting my time and my energy. If I knew that it was not somebody I was going to end up with and I wasn't going to, you know, go down that road. And so I was really careful about that. And so <clears throat> I got to college and I just thought, well, I'll meet somebody in college and that'll be that. But, you know, I rocked through college and I really didn't find anybody, which was fine. And then I came home <clears throat> the summer after my graduation and I, um, our, my youth pastor, he was like, why don't you go to camp with us this summer and just be a chaperone? And you know, I loved summer camps. I was like, absolutely. So I went and, um, I met who was my first husband there at camp and he was on staff at camp and he was a drummer and he was a backup drummer for Mercy Me. And he was raised really similarly to, to me. And he, um, you know, he was the son of a minister of music and his mom was a teacher and, youth ministry was really important to both of us. We were really passionate about that, and so um, we ended up getting married in 2007, and I moved to Dallas, Texas, and um, life was, you know, good at that time, and we were married and lived in Texas for almost two years, and then he, he was a youth pastor there. He finished college, and then um, he took a youth pastor position in Dallas. And then a couple years later, we took a church in North Alabama in Muscle Shoals. And, um, as soon as we moved to Muscle Shoals, um, I, I could tell that some things had changed and I couldn't figure out exactly what had changed, but he became very distant and, um, I, you know, I was just trying to figure out, well, maybe he's going through something that I don't know about. And, but it really became a really abusive situation, which I, you know, I just could not figure out what was going on. And he told me I was a mistake and that he never loved me. And, you know, as time went on, like things just got worse and worse. And, you know, at this point in my life, it was probably the first major crisis that I ever faced. Um, I mean, you know, things happen and you go through hard times, but this was like, you know, the yeah, biggest rock world, right? Um, especially when yeah. you feel like you've done everything the right way, you know, and um, mm-hmm. you feel like, I don't know, I just felt like we were on the same page and he knew the right things and said the right things, but life at home was so different than what he portrayed out in the world, you know, and, um, so <clears throat> I ended up going to counseling for a couple of years and, you know, as a minister's wife, I tried to be so careful to protect his ministry. And so I, I couldn't find a counselor in town where I lived because I didn't want people that were church members to see my car there and, you know, met. Ma- I just wanted to be so careful about making sure, you know, our ministry was protected. And so I found a counselor an hour away and I started going and it was the best thing I've ever done for myself. I tell everybody, you need to find a counselor to talk to because it helped me so much. But during that time, he just refused to go um, completely. I think he ended up, he went one time, but he would not go with me. Um, and I, it was so strange and, you know, I just, I begged God that he would restore our marriage and that, um, you know, I just believed and trusted that he saw me and that he heard me in that situation. And, um, my, my faith really became my own during that time, you know, because I knew all the right answers and I knew, you know, the church answers, you know, the things that you're supposed to, I don't know, but, you know, I really learned how to trust God during that time. And, you know, through that time, really no change happened. Things just kind of got worse and worse. And then sometimes they get a little bit better. I felt like I lived on a roller coaster, you know? Um, Mm. And Mm -hmm. so eventually the situation got really dangerous. And I was being threatened. Um, He told me he was going to throw all my clothes out in the front yard. And then I'd come home and he'd change all the locks. And it was just, it was a really dark time. And um, I remember, because at the time I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody. And I, you know, I was telling a friend last night, um, she's also in ministry. And I was just saying, you know, it's so hard for ministers' wives because a lot of times, it can be so lonely because you don't feel like you have somebody you can open up to and talk to because either they're church members or, you know, and you just don't want to necessarily confide in them. And so I found going to counseling was so good for me because it gave me somebody who I could just pour it all out to, you know? Um, Yeah. But anyway, so there were times that, you know, it was so dangerous, the situation I was living in that, I was afraid for my life, you know, and I finally got to the point where I started to tell my parents a little bit, and they were like, Michelle, you you really need to think about this, and um, it might be best for you to move home, you know, and so I finally made that choice in 2013, I was like, I cannot do this anymore, because I was just scared, you know, and Um, Mm -hmm. so I moved home and my parents were so amazing. They just loved me and, you know, opened their arms to me. I was so scared. And, you know, when you've been through verbal and emotional abuse, like your mind can be so messed up to, you know, your thinking can be so distorted because of what you've been told, you kind of start to believe it. And, um, so I just... I felt such disappointment and failure, especially moving home as the preacher's kid who, you know, I don't know. It it was hard, but, um, just the shame and all of that. But I felt so much love from my church family and even moving home. Um, I had a couple of friends that drove to Muscle Shoals and they packed up my house while I was finishing work in May. It was that May. And, um, when I got home to unpack all my stuff, my boxes had scriptures, like encouraging words. It was like confetti all in my boxes, you know, going everywhere. So, I mean, they just loved on me so well. And um, I just, you know, at that point, the divorce happened. And, you know, I, singleness was perfectly fine with me. I was not looking for anybody I, um, I thought, yeah, I'm never getting married again, and um, little did I know that I had a good friend of mine, and he was like, Michelle, I've got this guy I want you to meet. Now, you know, mind you, it has only been like three months since I'd moved home. I was like, I love you, but no, I <laughs> I do not want to meet anybody, and um, he was like, no, you, I've got this guy I really want you to meet, and so I just kept pushing it off and pushing it off. But eventually I did meet Brett and, um, you know, he was like wanting to call me and go do stuff. And I really kind of fought back and pushed back there for a little while. And I just wasn't interested, but I I remember him telling me, Michelle, I'm going to wait for you as long as it takes for you to be ready. And I thought,
0: Oh my (laughs) gosh, that's like a line out of a movie. And then he probably said it in that nice Australian accent that he has, too.
1: Yes, that did not hurt at all. <laughs> but um, so I don't know. It, it took a little while to let my guard down. But I'll tell you, like a lot of people say, Michelle, how were you able to trust so quickly after all of the bad stuff that happened and your first marriage. And I'm like, all I can say is that the Lord worked that out because I mean, it just, it was easy with him. And so, um, we ended up getting married the next summer in this small little wedding with our family and a few friends. And, um, it was perfect. But literally two weeks after our wedding, I had a phone call from the Muscle Shoals police department and I, um, I was like, I had a house there that I was trying to sell, and I thought, oh, no, somebody's broken into my house. Like, why would the police department be calling me? And um, they wanted to interview me, and I was like, what in the world is, what are y'all talking about? What does this have to do with? And um, a super long story short, um, my first husband had been molesting a girl in our youth group, and you know, at that point, so many questions that I'd had had been answered, you know, and the Lord just vindicated like me in that time. And I mean, it was really hard because I had to walk through some really hard moments and conversations and um, had to answer so many tough questions. But, you know, when I was nine months pregnant with Ava, I was supposed to go testify in his trial um and face him and all the people that you know had been in my life at that point and you know <laughs> my blood pressure was already high enough <laughs> and yeah <laughs> but he it just the lord worked it out so that i did not end up having to do that but i would have you know um but it's just the whole story sometimes i feel like it happened a lifetime ago and it sounds kind of like a lifetime movie you know at points but I, I feel like it's been so amazing to watch how the Lord has restored relationships because you know when I left Muscle Shoals and that whole the church there and just the whole my whole life there I had a lot of anger and hurt and um just frustration with you know, people that were there and church members there. And, um, I was like, I'm never going to speak to any of these people again. I'm never going to, um, have to face any of them ever again. I'm leaving this and I'm never coming back. And, you know, the Lord has allowed me to forgive and move past so much of that. Like there is no resentment towards anybody at this point. And, You know, I even was invited to the girls, the girl that he had been molesting. I was invited to her wedding um, because our families were close, you know, early on when we moved there and um, she wanted me to be at her wedding. And I went, that was the first time I'd seen any of them since everything had come out. And that was probably the most healing moment of my entire life, you know, um, to go sit and just hug her and, you know, be able to tell her I loved her and that I didn't have any, you know, anger towards her or anything like that. And, you know, since then, um, God has given me Brett and our two sweet little girls. And, you know, people ask me, well, why do you think all that happened? And, you know, I don't know. I really don't know. But, I know because of that, the Lord has changed my heart and my mind. He's given me compassion for people that have walked through really hard things and through divorce. And, you know, we all have a story and nobody is perfect by any means. And so um, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is out of Genesis chapter 50. And it's the scene where Joseph is facing his brothers for the first time um after they had, like, sold him into slavery and all that, and um, it talks about how, you know, his brothers wove this evil, you know, this evil situation and circumstance in his life, but God rewove it for good and, um, you know, ended up, because of where Joseph was, he was able to really save their lives and provide for his family during the famine, and so it's just given me opportunities to counsel other people and he's given me compassion and you know I told the Lord I'd be so careful to give him the glory for the story that he's written in my life any chance that I've been given so when you asked me to be on your podcast I thought I, you know absolutely I will you know because if if what I've walked through can help anybody um, then it wasn't for a waste and so one of my favorite scriptures is Psalm 146, 2, and it says, I will praise the Lord all my life. I'll sing praise to my God as long as I live. Girl,
0: <laughs> I'm telling you, goosebumps. So as you're talking, like this is the second time that I've heard your testimony and it didn't dawn on me the first time. But as you're saying it the second time, I, like it did, I didn't even think about it. But like you were the ministers, like you were a youth minister's wife, like when you left. There was some church hurt with that. Yeah.
1: For sure.
0: You know, because they didn't. And I imagine he probably painted himself like an angel that did no wrong, you know. Right. And it just blows my mind. Like, it's just so crazy. But can you, like, go ahead. I
1: I think he was, in a way, trying so hard to push me away so that he could say, oh, well, she left me, you know? And I finally had to hang that up and be like, you know, you know, I mean, I've got to be safe, you know? Um,
0: so, yeah. I mean, he, he was he was threatening your life. I mean, it was, right. yeah, like, I mean, he was threatening your life. Absolutely. Um, and that takes some strength, like, to be able to walk out of that. Especially, well, girl, you... I'm gonna tell you right now. I told you back like, I told you the first time I heard it. I still I'm just like ah, that is a strong woman. Um but is there were there any like for any of our listeners who, you know, may be going through this and they don't they haven't either they haven't recognized and realized it is what it is, or they're trying to deny it. What were some red flags? What are some some things that you can kind of give our listeners that they can kind of listen out for. And then what are, what's some hope that they could put their trust in?
1: Right. Well, I know some red flags that I started to notice. Um, he, when we moved to Muscle Shoals, um, like he started changing his passwords on things and like, I had no access to, you know, his phone, not that I would be all up in his phone, but like, it was always on lockdown. And um, he started making all these crazy rules, like you're not allowed to ride in my car with me. And like, it was so weird. Um, he wanted to dictate like, the kind of things I could wear and what I shouldn't wear. And I should always look like I was put together and, you know, that kind of thing. And um, it, it got really draining And then to try to have to explain to people all the time, you know, why we took two cars to church two miles away, (laughs) you know, it was just, it was, um, that was a challenge for sure. Um, so just red flags, like if they're trying to shut you out and, um, you know, but I think a lot of it too, he had some of his own issues, obviously, but, I mean, he would tell me things like he was going to kill himself and everybody was going to know that it was my fault, and, um, just so much, you know, I mean, emotional abuse towards me, you know, because it takes a lot of time for your, for you to heal after people have poured that kind of stuff into you, you know, because then your thinking is so, um, Skewed, I guess you're not, it's not clear at all. Um, but just I, you know, things to hope for. I mean, I truly, my heart was that God would restore the marriage because I thought, you know, if if God fixes this and puts us back together, we will have such a, a strong testimony to help other couples, and um, that's just not the way that things turned out. But one thing I did was I just clung to scripture and clung to the truths that I had in the Lord. I always had a, um, I had an in my notes app on my phone. I would just put like encouraging things that I would read from scripture or from devotionals or, um, lyrics from songs that meant something to me, stuff that I could just cling to. And I remember, um, there was a verse in James that was like my, I don't know, I just clung so tightly to it, it. It went everywhere with me, but it was James one twelve that said, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And that was one of those that just, that's where I found my hope was in God's word and to just believing that he is who he says he
0: is, you know. And I love how you, you like you say that verse, but you know, some women would want to hold on to that verse and go, "Well, I've got to stay. It's going to get better. I'm j- I've just got to persevere." And that's not the case, right? You know, like with you, you had to you had to leave so right. that you could persevere because you're going to die if you stay, you right. know. So absolutely, absolutely beautiful. Well, Michelle, I thank you so, so much. I thank you so much for spending your time with me this Saturday morning. Absolutely. I appreciate it. All right, ladies, that's it for this week. If you haven't, go ahead and subscribe to Rough Girl Turned Redeemed. Give us a like and a follow on Facebook. And if you love it, leave a review. Until next week.